Welcome to episode 187 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Snoop Dogg Sharpley. Hello. And Matt, Dr. Dre Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, March 20th, and tonight we're going to talk a little Iron Fist, and we're going to give our Logan review since we've uh, finally all gotten around to seeing it after a couple weeks. But before you've we heard get- all the reviews before, now you're going to hear the definitive Logan review. Well, now everyone's- just in time for Blu-ray. Now everyone's had time to go out and go see it. Like everyone else drops that fucking review, like. Right after the movie premieres, I'm like, motherfucker, let me see it. We've had time to sit with it and digest it, take it all in. I got shit to do. Also, we're just, I mean, let's let's be honest. We were lazy. We should have went to see it. Opening night, midnight, right? Why don't we, why don't we uh, leave it to the segment of the show to determine why we didn't go see it opening night? So why don't you hit us with some housekeeping? All right. McSauce.com. Web comics, reviews, podcasts, everything that you want from us. You can go to the Facebook page and check out some of the things that we post there. We do a lot of work on Instagram, and we also tweet. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of the fun little social media outlets. Bing, bang, boom, Dunzo. How quick was that? I wasn't even ready. I was still drinking beer and checking Twitter. It's nice and concise. So why don't we kick things off with Iron Fist. Iron Fist premiered on Netflix this Friday. The old season drop that I fucking hate. I guess it's my old bones that like uh, a weekly series, you know, something to be released, you know, partially. It's the completionist in you. You want. It's not even... It's not even so much the completionist in me as it is, like, there are a bunch of fucking just no-life dorks out there that can key up Netflix as soon as that bullshit gets released and watch 13 hours worth of Finn, Finn Davis? Finn, Finn Jones. Finn Jones. Davis Jones. The classic American The Night of names. Flowers. <clears throat> Right, uh, you know they can um, they can sit down and watch thirteen hours of this dude doing martial arts like it's no thing. Daddy's got shit to do. I don't have time to drop a full season of a series in we're, one weekend. Where are the podcast that says, "Eh, when we get to it, we'll review it whenever it's convenient for us." You know what? We put together a consistent weekly show. And I think that takes precedence over like sitting down and burning an entire day. Well, this is watching one television. This series. is legitimately le- what I think we should do, especially for movies. I think that we have a body of work consistent enough with reviewing films that we should we should be considered part of the media and get some pre-screeners and be able to go a couple days ahead, go on a Tuesday and check out the movies like the rest of the press does. We have 187 episodes worth of reviews and content. I think we should be able to get that going. So if any of you guys out there know how to get us those uh, screeners, uh, fucking send that along. 188 if you count our small bite episode, Super Bowl episode. But we don't count small bites. We count 
legitimate episodes. full length episodes, right? So not quick hitters, not ten minute segments. No, no, we don't count that as an episode. We just we go an hour or more is an episode. <laughs> and most, you know, most and, people <clears throat> think that's too much. And you know what else? We even did a special one off debate episode against some now defunct podcast that we podcasted. We debated out of business. Coming out hot early. And we didn't even count that as one of the we illustrious didn't? 187. We did, wasn't? No, it was just a special episode. Where can they find that episode, Ian? You can go to Libsyn, or mcsaucepodcast.libson.com. It's a good episode. If you want to hear the McSauce crew kind of united... For one special episode. One shining moment. As What's, they destroy. If you've been a listener of the McSauce podcast, you understand that myself, Paul, is the DC fan of the McSauce podcast, but uh, we were we were offered to debate against the Nerd Exchange podcast. Who's better, Marvel or DC? And we had a bunch of different criteria. Comics, movies, films, artists, you know, TV shows. All this kind of stuff. And Ian and Matt were forced to really dig in to their DC cores and really, you know, come to bat for DC comics. And it worked out great because we fucking slaughtered those fools. Well, we did. And the thing that really wasn't that difficult for Ian and I is that while we do love Marvel, maybe not 2017's version of Marvel, but we do love Marvel at our core. Um, we love arguing and being right even more. So it was really no big thing for us to, to obliterate. And when I say obliterate, Ian, I mean, I'm not even sure those fools even exist anymore, period, let alone their podcast. I'm sure they listen still. But yeah, um, we do like to be right and argue a whole lot. So if you... I know that from time to time, people that are longtime listeners of the show but maybe haven't listened to all 187 episodes sometimes say, oh, you guys, you know, you, you guys fight with each other, and that's kind of the charm of the show. If you ever want to hear the power of this McSauce machine focused and honed and trained on somebody other than each other, Go back in the archives and check out. I think it's, it's around the hundreds, somewhere around there. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like when Magneto joined the X-Men for a couple issues. Well, more than that by now. But you know what I mean? Like when the bad guys join up with the heroes, it's kind of like what we did. It was fun. It was actually, in the moment, I was like, this is kind of cool. Like we're together for once. It's kind of neat. And then we instantly went back to ripping each other's throats out. Yeah. So, uh, Iron Fist, Paul, did you uh, have a chance? I know that you were slandering dorks and nerds everywhere that yeah, love this property like, and took time out of their no, busy it's not, nerd it's days. It's not about to, the love of the property, but like I just I don't have time to sit down and blaze through multiple episodes of a show as soon as it's released. That's why that's why I prefer a more traditional <laughs> release schedule. For a well, television property, be it you know something on one of the major networks, something like Walking Dead on cable. But Paul, why don't you just like watch Game it of weekly. Thrones? Who cares? Just watch it one a week. I do. Oh, I believe me, I do. I watch it on my own schedule. I watch it when I want to watch it. 
but I listen to a bunch of podcasts that are like, hey, we watched the entirety of Iron Fist and we're going to spoil everything for you right now. Well, then, and I'm like, well, no, I can't fucking listen to that. Right. Episode. You just skip that episode. I mean, that's not a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's not, not radio. Like, you can go back and listen to Dude, it I, at your own I, leisure. Can I say something? I love the season dump because I do not watch television on any kind of set schedule. Or, or at all. I like well that's true. Basically any kind of TV episode that I watch is streamed via the internet and not coming through my regular cable box. Cuz you're Which, one of those way, millennial cord cutters, is that I correct? Think, yes. Uh what's a wire? You have to use your hands for that? It's a baby's toy. That was a Back to the Future 2 reference for those of you keeping score. But um, <laughs> obscure quotes from Max Sell, ladies and gentlemen. Obscure quotes. Matt, 1,000. Paul and Ian, zero. <laughs> uh, so I love the season dump because I like to binge on things because I have the attention span of a fly. I, I can't even... If I have to go week to week, I am so bad at serialized fiction. I read my comics now and... Uh, usually most comics that I read, I read in, you know, groups. Like I don't, I don't read one every month. I'm, I'm just not equipped to do that anymore. And the season dump is the same thing. Comics uh, make it easy for you too, because you get, you can have the trade so you can just follow along that way. Yeah, right. That's and how I've always read Walking Dead is trade. It, it's a better way of reading it. It really is. And I mean, one of my most favorite shows ever was, uh, Stranger Things, and I loved the fact that I could just, I loved it so much. When an episode would end, I'd be like, oh, I gotta watch the next one. And so I did, because I could. It's like Game of Thrones. I watched the first half of the episodes as they came out. And then there was one year when I watched all 10 episodes over the span of about 48 hours. Yeah, I was one of those guys, Paul. But it was so much more enjoyable to do it that way. So then I watched the next couple that way because I, I just, it was a better experience than waiting every week. Good God. I think Paul's reservation is more of the general public's, the, the general public now has knowledge that he doesn't have access to right away. And there is a conversation happening that isn't the same as the weekly kind of drilling over an episode or pouring over an episode by episode thing. And I think sort of to your point, Paul, there's something that's lost on the, on the entire dump style as with the, every week you get to go through and pour over what's going to happen. You get, there's speculation. You can't speculate whenever it's an entire season dump. That's true, and people talk about it like at the office or whatever. Yeah, or there's even online. There's plenty. There's plenty pros and cons. Like you know, I love being able to just blaze through Stranger Things. Right. You know, by the time I got around, like it was you know Netflix show, so everything's up at one time. I can watch however many as I want. Paul, let me know. ask you this: When you watched Voltron, did you watch one a week, or did you just go batshit crazy? Oh, on I, it? I just went batshit crazy, but that wasn't. So- I went batshit crazy and I and I loved it, but it wasn't something like, like Stranger Things. I was on I was on the train late. Okay. So I felt there were enough instances where I was like, ah, don't tell, don't don't talk about it. And I don't want to be that guy. 
I don't want to be that guy restricting other people from just fucking letting loose because I want to be part of but that's all the, the letting loose. I don't think that you're being a pain in the ass because that's the world that we live in now right. with the two different models of TV viewing. And and like and I agree with you, Ian, about you know the speculation and really being able to to mull things over and build suspense. And I think that's something that The Walking Dead has going for it, being a weekly show right now because that's true. you get an entire week to like that's the way that show is set up now and that show really builds suspense and hype from week to week like who's he gonna kill or is it this person that you saw in the shadows or is it somebody else like that plus the talking dead on after it for the hardcore fans like it really builds that kind of water cooler uh kind of essence for the show a show like westworld wouldn't have any of the momentum that it was able to gain if it was a an entire just you have the whole season there's nothing to speculate on there were entire communities that sprouted up on the internet just based on speculation and the possibility of what the world was um but if you had it all there laid out in front of you i don't think that it would be as beloved or as sort of like that cult phenomenon that builds around sort of like making your own adventure from week to week. And I, and I don't think that detracts from, uh, from the quality of the show, you know, stuff like, um, you know, you can watch walking dead and, uh, you know, Westworld all in one game of Thrones, all in one dump and the quality of the writing of, you know, the production is still there, but it does undercut some of that, you know, cult excitement of it because there is no, there is no questioning. There's no anticipation. You get it. Did did you guys both watch Westworld? I did. Is it as good as they say it is? I feel like most of the enjoyment that I got out of it is from what I just talked about, the sort of speculation angle, uh-huh. the theories, yeah. the what if, the unknown about Westworld because was I've... more satisfying to me than what it eventually ended up being. Okay. I don't know what it ended up being. Uh, I've seen the, the previews and the trailers. And the only thing that has me interested is the hype because I don't think it looks good oh, at all. Matt. You don't See, think it I, looks I don't good? think you'd like no. it because you're asking this question. You don't think it looks good? Like, what um, What do you mean by you don't uh, it, think it looks it, good? It doesn't grab me in any way. It doesn't make me... I don't see it and think, man, that looks so cool. I, it's I can't uninteresting wait to... to you. Yes. Well, I think a lot of what's yes. interesting about Westworld was the subtlety of the characters and who they are and where they're going. And that's not anything that you really understand in a trailer. True, true. It sounds like it could be kind of, of a character type study or whatever but it's deep that shows thick and why i asked matt to sort of clarify what he was saying with it doesn't look good is because i think visually aesthetically um the cinematography of it all look like something you'd be interested in matt maybe within the context of the show but based on the previews that i saw those weren't things that I was noticing like as standing out. It, it just doesn't like I'm interested, but I'm interested because everybody says it's great. Like I haven't heard someone that saw it and said, no, nah, it wasn't that good. But then again, I could be that guy. It was OK. I expect you to be that guy. Yeah, I'm starting to realize and maybe this will prove true as we talk about Logan. But um, 
I'm starting to realize that, man, my views and opinions on anything just don't align with the greater good. Of humanity? Yes. Mm. No, I mean, you have a specific idea of what excites you and the things that you like out of stories. Um, I don't think everybody's the same. I don't think the the things that I want out of uh, any project are the same as what Paul wants. No? Mm, no? No? Diversity? We like <laughs> diversity. Do you, do you think that that's all that I want? from projects is diversity well isn't it it is it is not <laughs> we've had a bunch of episodes where we talk about the things that we like and so, so well speaking of diversity are we just gonna we're are we gonna talk of, about speaking of iron diversity fist? we're gonna talk a little iron fist right, i like the conversation right that we had though but we can we can talk uh, how we can talk matt's dark horse likes for you know in commercial properties but i'd also like to talk about Diversity in Iron Fist, because one of the arguments I keep hearing is why they didn't make Danny Rand Asian. Because Danny Rand's a or half rich, Asian. He's a rich white guy. Right. But I don't get why that's a problem. You're staying true to the source material because Danny Rand is a white guy. To play devil's advocate, I guess it is seen as this is an opportunity to fix a wrong, I would assume, or course correct. But there's um, nothing to course correct. I mean, we you, you're like <clears throat> it's 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 the characters as who they are. There's plenty of diversity in the supporting cast. Do you think that it would maybe add a layer to that character if Danny Rand was an Asian American character, not not an Asian character, but an Asian specifically an Asian American character that had the same journey i feel like my immediate response is so racist it's crazy <laughs> well, well let it, that's never stopped you before so let all it right fly. let's get real so i i, I feel like what what kind of makes the transformation of danny rand into iron fist a bigger deal is that he is just a normal white guy. I feel like there's there's still a great bit of the country that thinks every Asian guy knows how to do kung fu. Right. Don't and you if it's a and if it's a like if you make it a, an Asian guy that is Danny Rand, then it's like, oh well of, of of course. And then he just becomes a cliche of himself. Couldn't you play into the actual realistic version of an Asian American that doesn't know anything about that culture and gets reconnected to it. I mean, I think that might be a story that's worthwhile to tell. It's not the story of Danny Rand at yeah, all. Right, right. But, you you absolutely could. And I wouldn't bat an eye if if that's the way they went. But I'm like I'm from the school of if this is the way it was in the source material Keep it that way when you adapt it. Like, I wouldn't, and it's an, ex, this is an extreme example, but I wouldn't expect Luke Cage to be white or Latino. I Luke think Cage that completely undercuts guy. the essence of Luke Cage if he's a white guy. It takes right. away from all of the world building that is involved with that character. Yeah. Like, I, you know, you can't I, make Jessica Jones a man. Right. So, like, you know, 
I, I get it. A lot of these characters were created in a different time when there just wasn't a lot of diversity. But that's who these characters are. So just, you know, build those characters as the characters that they are. Be true to who they are. You know, make the changes when it's natural to make the change, when it's not going to cause some kind of stink either way. The other, I think the, this the is Power a case. Rangers movie made the race change. Which is kind of goofy to me because I'm like, you had you had it, and you yeah. could even work with because what they did in the Power Rangers movie is, in the original series, Zach is the Black Ranger and he is black, right? And now he's the Blue Ranger, and now he's Billy the 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 Blue Ranger, and the Asian guy is the Black Ranger, and they make a little joke in the trailer about, wait a minute, you're the Black Ranger, but I'm black, but they could also they could also go the opposite way in the movie. When the Black Ranger is African American and he gets the Black Ranger power and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, of course I'm a black guy." Yeah, like it could go either way, and I feel like that's a change they made because, you know, they want to change it up. They don't want to be like the spot on the nose. Black Rangers black, Asian Rangers yellow. You know, they don't want to hit all of those exact marks because that's, it is a different time. But now. that's such a superficial kind of thing. I think what we're talking about with changing Danny Rand's ethnicity, like that changes the entire arc of his journey. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff online where they, the Asian American actors were talking about how they don't feel at place in the the Asian culture or the American culture, it's sort of an outcast kind of feeling, and that could have been something interesting to play up with this character. But it's a whole different story. Like you'd be you'd be re-engineering Danny Rand completely from the ground up. I think if they did that, it would be more about the culture and his race than anything that has to do with the mm-hmm. Iron Fist. So. It's probably better that they just kept it the way that the original 70s comic books were written. But I also could see the case for them trying to maybe do something new. Um, And from watching a couple episodes, maybe they would be better served at going after a more thoughtful story than what they're doing. Because two episodes in... And it's only two episodes in, but it hasn't really, it hasn't done anything new or inventive or different for me. It feels like a very boilerplate superhero story, much like a Arrow, Batman, Iron Man, you know, that kind of simple journey. Matt, what do you think about Danny Rand being potentially Asian? Um, I don't really care. I'm. Um, I think it's stupid. No, I'm just kidding, Ian. Um, I, I'm. I'm fine with it. Uh, it. I don't really know a whole lot about the Iron Fist character outside of I think he's got a cool costume and I know that he does martial DV arts down his pubis. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, he does. I also know that uh, another prominent ninja is uh, Snake Eyes, and he's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white dude, which seems kind of weird, right? But he's always, you know, got his mask on and everything. And 
if they decide to make him an Asian American, I, I really wouldn't care. I mean, it, it wouldn't bother me one way or the other. Um, these are characters, as far as I know them, have masks. So I don't really know who the characters are underneath the mask enough for it to matter. Uh, from a visual standpoint, it's nothing I can see. And frankly, it's nothing that would um, affect anything other than aesthetically. So it really doesn't bother me one way or the other. Do you have any interest in watching... The yes, Netflix Iron Fist series. I do uh, more so than you have for Luke Cage, which you haven't watched yet. Well, it's because they didn't make Luke Cage a white guy. <laughs> I, in fairness, he also didn't watch the woman or the handicapped gentleman that came before. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Um, I do want to see it. I want to see all of those. To be honest with you, I do want to give uh, Daredevil more of a, sh- a shot. Than I have so far. Um, I'm surprised you didn't jump into season two with the uh, Punisher. I wanted to. There was a big part of me that was like, ah, just skip right to it. But I, I didn't do it because I felt like there would be things that I missed. And I mean, I you know I love Daredevil as a character. The show just wasn't, at least the first five episodes that I watched, it wasn't doing the things to me that I like about Daredevil. I felt like it... It just wasn't. It didn't, again, it didn't have like that cinematic type quality to it that made it, like it didn't have a certain artistry to it that I would want um, out of a character like that. I would want it to be handled differently. Like the idea of the TV shows for these characters, especially Daredevil, especially The Punisher, the ones that I really like, it just doesn't, to me, it's not my preferred vehicle for, you know, for these characters. I wish they were in feature films with a little bit more, you know, a little bit more is artistry the right word. Like I wish they had their own theme songs and everything or do they? I don't even know. Paul hum the daredevil theme song. Well, Marvel doesn't have theme songs. It's like dun, 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 dun. Did Hans blue balls, right? It is. It is kind of like that. I mean, I'm not doing it super justice, but it's sort of like that. Yeah, well, you know what that said, like, and I, I Luke guess Cage maybe has it's... a pretty good one. It's sort of like a, you know, shafty black exploitation kind of sound. And, what's What's funny uh, is that like you could play me all of, you could play me Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones themes, and I would instantly be able to pick those out. Whereas if you played me anything from any of the Marvel and the MCU movies. I'd be like, I couldn't place what thing they were in. I'd be like, uh, I'd just say Avengers for everything. Like, there's nothing distinctive. Out, you don't out of know the so- sounds of the 70s soundtrack for Guardians? Well, <laughs> all right, you're right, except Guardians. But because those songs are already built into my psyche. You don't know Love Train? <laughs> I hope Radar Love is in volume two. So. With that said, I, I really do want to see um, Iron Fist. I like martial arts. Even though there's not a ton of martial arts movies that I know that well, I do enjoy movies with really good martial arts and choreography and fight scenes. You know, I Do you guys ever see um, The Forbidden Kingdom with Jet Li and Jackie Chan? Mm, nope. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's a... It's, a, it's almost like The Wizard of Oz meets martial arts and it's 
actually really good and I really recommend it. Um, I think it's very, very enjoyable. Have you ever seen The Raid? No. That's the one that everybody talks about as like the modern day Mm -hmm. high bar for kung fu or gun fu like fight scenes and yeah i think the thing is um and maybe i don't i don't know because i haven't seen it but when i hear about the movie everyone talks about the fights the fights fights i like martial arts movies that also still have like a, a core story that's enjoyable and interesting and characters that you like that's why i think enter the dragon is kind of a a bit of a classic because while it had really good fights, it still had a pretty interesting story. And, um, you know, even like the crow, the crow had some pretty good martial arts sequences, but there was a nice story that went along with it. And, um, that's why I'm kind of looking forward to iron fist. Cause I expect the story to be very fleshed out. Plus really cool martial arts. Why are you smiling? Because, <laughs> cause I was just thinking that like, this is a, this is a pretty big departure between the two of us because I was watching, I watched the first episode of Iron Fist today, and I'm like, I don't know what like you could you you could do spinning kicks and do whatever in front of me and say it's kung fu, and I'd be like, yeah, that's kung fu. Like I have no idea what's what, but I'm pretty sure I heard that a lot of a lot of the martial arts is misrepresented in Iron Fist. Oh, uh, I don't think I heard that. Yeah, I don't know what's what that um, well either. I mean, I wouldn't know the difference either. I mean, I don't know. I'll give you a crane kick and whatever that thing Daniel LaRusso does in the second well, movie. Well, okay, so karate is a very like straightforward attacking style of fighting. What, what is? Karate, Ian Sharpley, son. That's right. Um, as opposed to Kung Fu. Right, the McSauce Racist podcast. Yeah, so Kung Fu. What? Wait, what? What? Kung Say Fu? it. Karate? No. What? I don't know what you mean. Kung Fu. Kung Fu. There you go. Hey. Um, I like that. This comes on the back of you guys being like, "Hey, it doesn't matter if he's Asian or not. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter." The Kung Fu is a, is like a very flowy, like almost. Um, you know, like visually poetic type type of dance. fighting. It's a, a dance it's of a death, dance. <laughs> right? And then judo is all throws and things. Like I know the basics, but like you know that stuff, right, Paul? No, if you karate chop me in the neck, I'd be like, I don't know what. That I is. feel like karate I, chops aren't even like a thing. So what the fuck? <laughs> is I know, I know. What the fuck is Muay Thai? I don't. Mu- Muay Thai is like uh, using elbows and shins and knees. Why would you use your shins? That seems like such a because imagine such a somebody sensitive part. Well, that's because you spend years getting hit on your shin with things to toughen your shin and deaden the I nerves. I think you block with your shins. Ooh, no. Yeah, I think so. Muay Thai is a very popular part of uh, UFC and mixed martial arts. Judo is using an opponent's weight or their force against them so if somebody's coming at you yeah you grab their gi and you throw them to the ground paul do you know what a gi is i do i do that's what mr miyagi gave daniel larusso before the big match that was a yeah that was a gi yeah <laughs> splinter wears like a purple gi he does that's right he does wear a purple gi 
<laughs> you old purple gee. That's so, a sign of a true master. <laughs> Matt, now, we've known... But hold on a second. Splinter, do they do... Okay, so they're ninjas, right? Right. Do ninjas I wear I feel geese? like they are. <laughs> they say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's in their name, Paul. But do... But Splinter trained them, and I didn't think ninjas wore geese. Maybe they do. What's the like difference all- between ninjutsu and all the other stuff we just mentioned? I don't know. God damn it, Matt. I thought you were the... Uh, ninjutsu? I thought you were the Asian expert. And I don't know what ninjutsu is. Oh, okay. Jujitsu is kind of like judo. I know that. Like, use throws and things. Right. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, Paul, jujitsu also uses like some locks and, and holds, maybe. Ninjitsu is like the art of throwing stars and sneaking around. And, and right? that, that was the He-Man guy with the gold <laughs> fist. Or is that ninja? The gold hand. Ninja. No, that was no. ninjitsu, you asshole. Yeah, it was ninjitsu. You're so racist. Oh, oh, was it, I was saying jor ninjor. because you're racist to the Eternian oh, population. Okay. Um, everybody was or in fucking He Man. Oh, Fisto wasn't or. He was just he was fist- just oh, oh Fisto minus the ass. R. Yeah, he was oh. he was, he was King Fisto Rand- or minus King, the R. King Randor. He man. Uh, Ram man. Man he faces. Stratos. Stratos. Uh, Trapjaw, or <laughs> Tilor. Moss Man. Man at Arms, or Mechanor. This is terrible radio. This is the best radio. Paul, what else are we talking about tonight other than martial arts talk? Ian, what was your, what was your expectation going into Iron Fist? Very low. I don't like Iron Fist. Have you read As any of his comics? I have mostly. I, I've read the uh, the more recent Matt Fraction, uh, David Asia, uh, Iron Fist comic, and that's good. But that's around the only Iron Fist book that I've ever liked. The more recent um, Iron Fist Luke Cage pro- or Power Man Iron Fist property that came out within the last year has been pretty good. But I feel like that's a big departure. Uh, from what Danny Rand is in this book. He's sort of the, like, he's a silly guy in oh, yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist. And he's straight. Power Man's the straight man. Right, right. And it works. It's great. Um, low expectations for this property. Watch two episodes. Not really super thrilled with it. Don't feel like, um, I'm not really attached to any of the actors. I don't, really love the story. I feel like it's something that we've seen a million times before, and I'm not a huge kung fu karate guy, so karate. There you go. Matt, polynomics for Iron Fist? I don't... Uh, I give it a 10. I haven't seen it yet, but... Well, no, we're saying... Ex- we're only doing expectation. My expectation for it was oh, like... Oh, oh. Four and I was excited. Well, My, a five. Right. Um, I'm interested in watching all these Marvel shows eventually at some point in my life. That's cute. <laughs> uh, but I'm list. not interested. Right, right. Sometime before I die, assuming I'm not going to die in the next forty years. Assuming. Um, but with that said, 
I'm also not ready to like rush out and see them necessarily. Although I, I'm probably more interested in checking out Iron Fist right now, just maybe because it's new and again because of the martial arts aspect. So excitement's probably about a about a four. Um, and expectations, I would think I'd be fairly into it. Maybe a six. <clears throat> Paul, Paulonomics. Uh, my expectations are about a two. Oof. I don't know anything about Iron Fist or Danny Rand. I think he was in a couple couple issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. He was in um, Secret Invasion. I feel like you read that, and he yeah, like I think he was. I don't remember him. He was around. Secret Invasion. He was around in the Marvel Universe. Then I think he was in in Avenger. Yeah, like I know point. the general deal of like Iron Fist in, in the Marvel U and everything, but like I have no connection to his character, his world, like, you know, any of that stuff. So, like, I, f- I feel like I probably have the best vantage point going into this because I'm going in clean. I don't really know what he's about. I don't know what he's supposed to be about. So, like, I think a two is a pretty good number to be positive about this series. Um, I expect a six, you know. Netflix Marvel has released four seasons of shows now and they haven't let me down. I've liked each one a little bit more as they've gone on. So, uh, from what I've heard so far, like I don't want to go in with a uh, with a preconceived notion of, you know, negativity towards Iron Fist, yeah. but I don't expect this to be Luke Cage. I fucking loved Luke Cage, but I expect to come away happy from this season. I think Luke Cage had a particular hook in a certain direction that they wanted to go, and I'm not sure that Iron Fist or honestly any of the other properties had the same kind of vision from the the person that was producing and directing it that Luke Cage had. So, I, like Luke Cage was really fucking good. Yeah, it was it was really tight. It was really unique. You know, um, everything, everything really seemed to have its own, its own weight behind it, its own theory. Like Luke Cage was a tight season of television. Like down from the musical score, all through the casting, the cameo appearances. They had Method Man on there. Um, it was just through and through. It had a real um, singular kind of idea and moment that they're trying to go for. So. So shifting gears, uh, Ian mentioned earlier that he had some theater justice that he wanted to talk about. As uh, our regular listeners know, we, we we spare nothing when it comes to theater shenanigans. If you fuck off, if you fuck off in the theater, if you upset someone on the McSauce podcast, you know you're likely to get your fucking head chopped off out on the concourse as a message sent to all other theater goers to not fuck around. I feel like its roots are in the fact that we are respectful theater goers. We really enjoy our time at the movies. It's something that's maybe, is it sacred to us? I don't know. I think that we spend a lot of time in the theater. We hype up the movies that we really love, and it's something that's really super important to us. So, I mean... I think those are all true statements. So, the fact that the punishments that we are lobbying for, um, and hopefully someone will hear us, are, uh, are are heard, and it doesn't come from a place of malice against these people. It comes from a place of wanting just just 
everybody to enjoy their time, everybody to have a nice experience at the theater. This weekend, me and my wife went to go see Beauty and the Beast in the theater, and holy shit, was that a hit film this weekend. I think it broke all the March records. I think it made over $170 million. Mm -hmm. Um, We went at 12.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, and it was sold out, and we had to come back later. Holy shit. Like, everything was... And we showed up. We lazily showed up at like 12.20, thinking that we could slide right in there. Nope, sold out. So we're like, all right, well, you know, maybe we'll come back around like two o'clock or something we'll go get something to eat and come back went got lunch came back and it was still fucking <laughs> pounded the theater was crazy and we're you know like, you know you can buy tickets ahead of time right i understand that but we kind of just wanted and we understood it was a weekend it was opening weekend it was a kids movie we, under, we understood all of those things but we didn't think that it was going to be sold out and slammed like it was so we we're like all right we're gonna go at seven o'clock Later on tonight, we want to see this movie. We're going to go later. And we went and we were able to get tickets. We were able to have a nice seat where we wanted to. But still, the theater was packed to the point where towards the end of the the trailers, people were like, oh, can you move? Can you scoot over? Can you condense a little bit? So it was, it was slammed. It's a kid's movie. I haven't been to a kid's movie with children in the audience in a very long time. We usually pick a Wednesday morning or something like that to go to. Um, but this was Sunday. Fucking slammed audience. Kid's movie. And we're sitting there. Beauty and the Beast gets rolling. Very fun movie. Nice nice time. We're sitting there. The children are behaving wonderfully. They're all sitting. They're quiet. They're all wrapped up in Belle and her fucking singing. Mm. It's great. I would like to be wrapped up in Belle and her singing. About 20 minutes into the movie, I discover that there is a theater comedian behind us, (gasps) directly behind us, the only person that's talking in the theater at this point. Some fucking slack-jawed redneck moron is behind us kind of kind of talking a little bit through the previews and i was like oh, it'll be all right and then whenever a lot of the times people will shut up once the previews end and we get to the feature film paul yeah and because you give them the benefit of the doubt because you know we've all been there when the main show starts people shut up and they pay attention that doesn't always happen but usually it does. And even in the previews, you get a little tense, but you're not that upset at that point. You know what? I've been known to give a quick one or two line uh, preview movie review myself. Matt, I've been in the theater with you where you've talked through the entire movie. <laughs> back to, I went to back true? to back movies with you where you talked through the entire movie. Well, sometimes you just need to discuss some things as things are happening. What did I say? I don't know. I I didn't. I what don't movie? know what you were saying. You were. Uh, it was the exorcism of Emily Rose and Machete. Machete, and then Emily uh, Rose. Well, that was a long time ago. It was. That was before movie theater yeah. justice. <laughs> so was the a statute thing. of limitations is 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 off. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Since you're such a movie file, you're such a theater file. Like I was shocked at that display. So I'm sitting there, 
Got this guy, his buddy that he was talking to before, like through the preview he was talking to, and his his daughter that he brought. And 20 minutes in, we get in, and there's a part where Bell's dad is warming himself by the fire. He's warming his hands. He turns around. He's warming his backside. And this fucking theater comedian yells out, don't break wind. And I wanted to fucking kill him. That's... That's not funny. Uh, it wasn't funny then. It wasn't. It's not funny now. It's funny right now because it didn't happen to me or Matt. It's funny because theater comedians usually aren't so G-rated with their humor. Usually they would say, don't fart or don't fucking fart, but don't break wind. It's like so proper. It, it was so proper. It was It was like, it, it was, it was a cleaned up G-rated pristine theater comedian evil all the same but later on so i'm like all right you know dude you're cracking wise you're making jokes that's fine 10 minutes later bell shows up she hears something stir in the castle she picks up a a big stick theater comedian you're gonna want something bigger than that oh no (laughs) (laughs) so my proposal This is my proposal to the Theater Justice Board. For any theater comedians out there, for any jokes, if you yell a joke out, if it gets... The the biggest problem was that no one laughed. No one thought it was funny. Why? Because it wasn't funny. Because you're not a fucking real comedian. I I like this. I I like the dare of you can make a joke, but your punishment... Is gonna right is gonna result in how many people laugh. That's exactly it. If you make a joke and you don't get a sizable amount of the audience to laugh with your joke, you are immediately <laughs> dragged out, dragged out from your seat, put out there on display. You wait, you wait, because you want the theater, right. you want the audience that viewed the the film with you <clears throat> and didn't laugh with you to come out and see. What happens to you? And once Beauty and the Beast is all done, and the families, the, the offended children, audience, the offended audience needs to see the perpetrator. Okay, the, so what happens next? The, the children, the family, they all roll out. They roll out, and then and 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 the uh, the. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What happens next? Theater justice, public beheading. The the workers so they come they come around the corner they're like all right oh I can't get you your popcorn right now I have to hold this audience because we have. A, a theater comedian offender that must be sentenced to death. <laughs> so they stop the audience and they're like, all right, and here you, here you. And then you, we, we have the guillotine all set up. I don't up. think we've covered this before. Do you think they, they pause the other movies in progress? Like, it, it, excuse no, us, no, patrons, no, no, we no, have no. a theater comedian being executed no, in the no, lobby. No, 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 it's no. Only for, it's only for the audience that saw it with said theater comedian. And they get to witness it on the way out. But don't you, right, but don't and, you think it would be, it would be more effective if all the audience, well, you don't want to, all the audience, you don't want to like, bother anybody's right. and viewing can, experience. Can I, I, so you think uh, the theater justice system would be, in violation of their own laws by pausing other movies. Exactly. Can, can I just clarify a point? When I was like, and what happens next? Paul, 
That was like when a little kid hears his dad tell him the same story like a thousand times, but he's like, and then what happens? That's exactly where I was going with this. Like, I'm listening with glee. And then Han Solo flies in and, <laughs> and chops someone's head off for telling um, bad jokes at Beauty and the Beast. And and I, in my mind, I, I see it as like, you know, you can, nobody plays those video games. You move the video games out and you put the guillotine right there. Maybe, I guess a little bit higher, right? You So you build some scaffolding. Uh, I have an idea. Like yeah. It depends there. on the theater. It's going to be in like, I mean, this is a, this is, this is big. They like, should have it's a pinball be in the, the biggest concourse. Okay, biggest concourse available. They right? should have a f- in the in the video game section. Let's create a pinball machine that instead of a pinball to be like a severed head that's like rolling around in the in the thing. <laughs> well, I feel I feel like that's a little too gruesome. But no, no, like an actual pinball machine. But like it's not the real severed head. It's like a f- it's fun. It's like a pinball machine. Right. It's called Theater Justice. The pinball. Machine, see, see theater justice three thousand. I was, I was thinking, what if, what if you, what if there's a betting system? You go in, you buy your movie. Let's say you're seeing Beauty and the Beast at seven thirty p.m., and you get like a three hour block of other movies starting around that time, and you get to put your money on which movie's going to come out with a beheading. That's some good side action. I think yeah, they would call I it. I agree. Now. Ian, I just want to make one... But I, I, don't, I don't want it to be a game, because this is serious, and this is justice. This is what happens... Right, this the, is serious The end justice. results to your right. transgression. Right. Now, we're working out the bugs. Right, which brings you me to, to my question. Which brings me to my question. When theater comedian elicits just a limited amount of laughter, those that laughed created Ooh. more... Of uh, of a distraction, but it really wasn't funny. So, what happens to those folks? Gee, that's a slippery slope. I don't know. And and like, wouldn't that? And if anything happens to them, wouldn't then everyone just to be safe never laugh at a theater comedian? Because if they did, they would run the risk of there being limited laughter, which could then lead to, I don't know, their death or, I or, feel like or let's maybe not severing punish, a hand or a finger. Let's not punish the audience, only the comedian. So everybody's free to laugh. You, If you feel like it's funny, you can laugh, even if it wasn't that what funny. What if you were you laughing at the and, fact that it wasn't funny and you know theater comedian <laughs> is going to bite it after the movie? Uh, I feel like that's... Uh, you can you we, can have some have, you can have some technology install installed so you can feel out sarcasm. No, we may have to just remove any scale of how many people laugh for theater comedian. Because like because that yeah. I if mean, the three of us are in a movie theater, I'm right? Laugh my ass. And 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 theater comedian redneck goes. Um, don't break. Don't wind. break wind. The three of us would look at each other and be like, "Oh shit, shit he's you're so dead. dead!" I'm saving my popcorn <laughs> to watch you get killed. But here's and, and this is really the the root of the story, the moral of the story. So everybody in the audience was good except for theater comedian and his few outbursts later on in the film. His child started kind of yapping and talking a little bit, and I'm like, "See, are we?" Are we getting into minority report territory? If right, if your dad, are we preemptively imprisoning or beheading? 
what I'm what I'm saying what we is think may happen. It, what I'm saying is, if earlier it, a couple years ago, whenever they went to Cinderella and that fucking moron made some dumb joke and got beheaded, his daughter probably mm. would think twice about fucking cracking wise during Beauty and the Beast. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Here, here. <laughs> Theater justice, people. You know, on a, a quick note before we move to Logan, real quick, I, I feel like we've been spoiled going to McSauce opening night field trips because I've gone to a couple movies recently where I've gone with the unwashed masses, <laughs> and it's a fucking shit show. Like, if you go to a, like, I saw Split at like 7.30 on a Saturday night, and it's a fucking disaster. I'll tell you what, man. Friday nights are better than Saturday nights. You get the more uh, the more serious crowds that are there for the... They couldn't fucking wait to see this movie. Those that go Saturdays are God forbid Sundays, Ian. Those... Like they don't care as much. They're willing to make the jokes. They don't. They don't laugh at the humor as much in a lot of these movies. Whereas, like, holy shit, take a Friday night crew to a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Well, the Sunday morning there is a respectful piss in the aisles for people. Monty but, Python's yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. But the, the Saturday night and like, like I've gone like up until the last couple months. Like, um, like it's it's always been opening night. So the People that go on opening night are respectful of what they're going to see. As soon as the previews start, it's silence. So, like, going to see Split at 7.30 on a Saturday, it was like a whole new world. Like, I didn't know what was happening. There was so much constant talking and laughing and theater comedians and cell phone action. Oh, the cell Cell phone phone. off with your hand, off with your heads. Fuck you. Usually I go on Wednesday mornings. Me and my wife, private fucking screenings half the time. Mm. No Sunday morning? Cracking, Wednesday no, Wednesday morning. morning. Oh, there is, Jesus. There is nobody at the theater. Oh, the employees aren't even there yet. At at, ele- at 10.30 on a Wednesday. The popcorn's not made yet. They're like, it, they, they just leave the shit from the night before out. Sometimes they'll give it to you for free because it is the shit from the night before. Yeah. So, did any of us see Logan at normal hours? Did Ian? Did you see Logan? It was at you know nine thirty on a Wednesday morning. It was Wednesday at eleven. Did o'clock. you run the film yourself and then have to run down to your seat? It was me and like one other dude and my wife. Now, like, when did you see? I like Logan? how one other dude gets mentioned before going with your wife. <clears throat> I well, I mean, it was I me went and with my, wife my wife and one other dude, but no, it's me and one other dude. Me. Oh, and my wife, me, yeah. some guy that I fucked, and my wife. <laughs> oh, come on, did you have to? Matt, when did you see Logan? Uh, it was a Monday afternoon, I believe. I was off work. How uh, how was the crowd? It was fairly small, um, and it was pretty well behaved. Yeah, yeah. When did I, you see it? I saw Saturday prime time surprisingly well behaved what like seven o'clock eight o'clock uh, i think it might have been like six thirty, but <clears throat> that's not yeah, prime close time, enough whatever well you know uh, right before prime time so you know people still had their shit together but yeah it was a, it was a good a good crowd good i also feel like it was a good enough movie that people were engaged it kept everyone involved <clears throat> i think when i saw split a lot of people were uncomfortable 
with what was happening in the movie. Yeah. So they felt the need to break their discomfort with the themselves or the cream people pies they were with. and banana peels. I believe. Right. Right. But you know, I think Logan was a pretty straightforward, good bring, action movie that there wasn't your own, any of that nonsense. Bring your own cream pies and banana peels. <laughs> and Logan was a serious, serious joint, man. Like if those out there that are still unfamiliar with the difference between Marvel Studios movies and Fox films. I had to explain this to my wife afterwards. Like, ah, you know, it's good that Fox has the rights to some of the Marvel characters. And she was kind of, and and she usually knows this stuff, but she had to have me explain the difference between the two, you know, styles of movie. Marvel has a very, very like locked in style that they go for lots of laughs, lots of lots of lots of joking around, not so serious, you know, PG PG thirteen rated films. Logan was a R rated movie. That's one of the big things that everybody was uh, excited about, or maybe even uh, a little concerned coming off the back of Deadpool being an R rated hit film. Um, I thought that. It was the type of character that did warrant an R rating. It wasn't like they just pulled any Marvel character or any superhero out there. They pulled the dude that had metal claws for for on his hands and slashed the shit out of people to be an R-rated film. So I thought that it was at least appropriate. Yeah, I also thought the amount of swearing was appropriate. A, a handful of reviews I heard was like, oh, it was too much. they just threw fucking... You know, to make them say fuck because they felt like making them say fuck. But uh, that was my review. Uh, yeah, but like I, you know, I thought that that's who those people were. I mean, we're in the three of us are in much dire or, mu- or mu- <laughs> much dire, much less dire circumstance circumstances. It's like this situations. is two thousand twenty nine, and already? we're dropping f bombs like fucking crazy. So of course, it's not that like. It wasn't anything to me to hear, uh, to hear Logan especially, or even Professor X, People who's were upset about who's a little Pro- looser of mind at that point. Yeah, I mean, he's losing his shit at that point. He's getting a little senile. Like he, he's like I felt that was a really good progression for who that character was. Like his aging, his aging person, his aging brain. Like having to like hold all that shit in. All the time, I and mean, he—he was the—he was the comic relief for a good bit of that movie. But it was a sad comic relief in, in a lot of ways. Anybody that's had a family member deal with um, Alzheimer's or or losing uh, any of their mental faculties, I think that's what happens to the people. And I think that's a true, um, a very realistic way to portray that disease. Yeah. Like, like a lot of, a lot of the scenes with him were, were comedic, but at the same time, like it was really sad because you knew the path that he was going down and you knew the, the end that he was going to meet at some point in that movie, because it was a dire movie. And Logan's a pretty rough guy. He's going to say those kind of things. If F-bombs were dropped by the Reavers, those dudes are oh, yeah. mutant hunting yeah. assassin you know, so type Matt, characters. You so, didn't, you weren't happy with the amount of F-bombs? No, not really. I mean, I, I mean, I get it that out of any Marvel character, 
Wolverine seems like a pretty good choice to go with an R rating, you know, Punisher, Wolverine, Deadpool, all those guys. But it did feel like it was happening for the sake of, because we can, let's do it. Um, You know, we'd seen 25 versions of Wolverine to this point, and none of them had him doing it, but this is supposed to be in the same continuity, and it's like, yeah, this doesn't exactly fit. Um, And I also felt like the... uh, the Professor X doing it was over the top. It it was like as if Frank Miller wrote it, to be totally blunt, and that is not a compliment for me to say that. Um, yeah, I, I get your criticism. I understand what you're saying. I don't think that it was so out of place for that character, maybe in the grand scheme of this um, cinematic universe, but I don't think it's skewed outside of what we know of Wolverine. The one thing that did jump out at me um, that I did think was doing it for the sake of doing it was whenever the girl flashed Logan and I was like, ah, come on, man. Like, I I don't think that we needed titties. Like, I I just didn't. Why did the girl flash Logan? Um, It was in the, it was one of the opening um Oh, scenes whenever he was, was like taking the, them to like prom or whatever. It, it was the and she's the in the bachelorette back of, party. Yeah, and she's in the back of the yeah. limousine. A driver and flashed him, and I was like, "Well, that's clearly just titties for titties' sake." Where I think that I could ground the violence, especially the violence. The violence is part and parcel to what Wolverine is. The swearing, maybe not so much, but I think that that's in the realm of the world that he lives in. The boobs were. Like to your point, Matt, we we haven't seen that kind of stuff in all these other X Men movies. <clears throat> it just felt like, oh, we can do it. Let's do it. And it was yeah. Stupid. You know, I, I again though, um, my favorite Wolverine movies don't have the claws going through heads. And, and let's face it, that's how he killed everybody: claws to the head. Uh, whether they came from the side, the top, or the bottom, it was claws through the head. Right. Um, and I mean, it was gr- granted it was kind of cool, but it it just felt it felt gratuitous just because they had made a decision we're going to do an R rated version. And you know what the worst part for me was? I felt like both Professor X and Wolverine were just shells of themselves of the characters that they were. Um, Isn't that the point, Matt? Um. No, I don't think so. That's that's what the, these filmmakers wanted to do. But like, if I think about, but isn't that the point? If that's what the makers of the movie wanted, that is who they were supposed to be. That's um, not what you wanted them to be. No, it's not what I wanted. But that's them what to the be. filmmakers and who and, they were in the movie. And they were. didn't right. But you don't need to have the characters be a shell of themselves to portray an older version of said character, like in Old Man Logan, I don't feel like Wolverine was a shell of who he was. He was... um, I I didn't get the sense that he was quite as... just just completely defeated like he was and broken. And he was portrayed as an old man. He put the claws away, you know, and he didn't even pop the claws until the end of that storyline. Well, there's a different dynamic that's happening in this film that wasn't happening in the comic series, and that's that the animantium is poisoning him, and it is killing him, and he's dying. And I don't think that's the same thing, whereas he was mentally 
traumatized in the comics for having been fooled in killing all the all the X-Men and a bunch of superheroes mm-hmm. in the books. This was more a combination of mental and physical um degradation of him and and I think he could still he could still was, get it to oh god. What was the mental part of it? Just ha- um having seen all <laughs> Having lived all nine previous X Men movies that we all watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as the then, not really like the sort of hinted at um, trauma that happened with Professor X killing and and hurting people in Westchester, yep. which I took um, as him killing whoever the X Men were in the in the Xavier School at that time. That's how I took that. Maybe it, like whatever those seven people or eight people that were killed. They were close proximity, probably X-Men, and he probably killed them. And I think that's what made that part of the story so effective, is that we don't know what that trauma was that sent both of them over the edge. And it's all left to the viewer's imagination Mm -hmm. to imagine, you know, what your worst possible outcome is for that. Like, you know, you think it was him killing all the X-Men. Like, uh, I took that as there was a huge battle. All the X-Men died, but in the meantime, like Charles had to take it upon himself to be like, you know what, if I need to take out Magneto and whoever else, I'm also going to have to take out you know, the six neighboring towns, and that's I, I have to do it, and then he did. So like, it, it's up to the individual to make that story more effective. And I think that's a credit to James Mangold, the director and the writers of this film, for leaving that up to the imagination and not, and I think that a lot of other films would have maybe even started off with that or really highlighted that or done flashbacks, mm-hmm. but they own, they do it in a very authentic, organic way where it's all yeah. done through conversation. And from there, you can justify why Professor X and Logan are shells of themselves. And you got to think about it, man. Like, if we're working with the same timeline as X-Men First Class, like, how old... I can't do math, but how old is Professor Xavier at that point? He's he's a mutant, but he's still... He's not an immortal mutant. He still is, like, right. aging and right. dying. He's 100 years old at that point. Mm-hmm. And Logan was, is around class. 200 years First class is 1962 or something. And what let's let's be generous. Is he like 20, 25 in first class or something like that? So, I mean, that's he's old. Like I said, I can't do math, but he's pretty old. So I think that for this film, the broken down, worn down versions still had dignity and superhero qualities to them that I think are more courageous in their broken down, defeated states than anything that we've seen in the other actions. Yeah, movies. like even fighting through like the dementia and taking the pills, you know, the scene when Professor X steadies the horses and gets them off the road and everything. Like the way he's, like he knows how much danger he's in, like pushing this stuff. And like he's still willing to do it to save some horses and a random family. Like, you know, like that speaks more to the greater good than, you know, oh, he's going to stop a building from falling or whatever. I thought they were, I thought they were handled great. Yeah, I I just, I'm completely not on the same page as you guys on that. But um, 
one of the, my other criticisms of it, and I'm glad that you've seen it now because I had said that this movie did something that happened totally the same in um, X-Men Origin or yeah, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wolverine, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, tell me. I, I don't off the top of my head. The innocent family that Logan befriends. Oh, yeah. But that happens in a lot of, like... <laughs> it was the same beat, man. Like, it, like identical. It was like, you, you'd see it coming a mile away, and, it, and, and then it played out exactly the way that you thought it was going to. Right, right. And it's like, you did it in that shitty movie, and now you're doing it in this, like... like really you're that devoid of like original ideas come on i mean that's not a a wolverine trope that's a trope of like film that happens all the time i've i've seen people like comment on that all over the place like it was like it was was silly to use they didn't go with the this was something they used in the first wolverine movie this is something that's used in all kinds of well it is and you know what regardless like it would it did happen in the first wolverine devil's advocate is that maybe that's why he's a little more apprehensive like uh everybody i help everybody that's around me fucking dies maybe i shouldn't do it it was maybe that was written in there like that and wolverine is apprehensive to help them because oh hey a couple movies ago i got some people killed yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I I would almost give them that's very intuitive of you to like notice that. I didn't. Uh, um, but I think that the filmmakers were smart enough that they probably linked those two things together. Did James Mangold, he directed the second one, right? Not he directed the, first one. the Wolverine and he directed Walk the Line and Copland as well. Uh, Copland with Sylvester Stallone? Yep. And uh, Harvey Keitel, Ray Robert Liotta. De Niro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I actually like that movie. Although it had a bizarre, bizarre ending. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. I want to check it out again. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm glad I, you liked it, and Paul liked it. But you know, it's funny. Um, my, my good friend Jeff, um, who owns uh, Arkham Gift Shop, shameless plug. But um, we were talking about it and, you know, I was saying that I was pretty disappointed with it and just it was I was I didn't hate it, but I was yeah. awfully lukewarm on it. And I think he gave it a six or something. I did. Like and, and I think that's a good score for it. Um, you know, after what I mean by that is now that I've sat with it for a while, like I, I stand by that score. And um, he said, I think it was great. He said he thinks it's the best X universe movie that they've made. And I was like, what? Like we were watching different things apparently. Cause yeah. it's not even close, not even remotely close. I think that it, um, I, I really liked it. And I think that is probably the best character story that they've done in an X-Men film. Um, I think it's sort of sad that we're, essentially talking about um because all the x-men films almost are always about wolverine and i think it's sad that a franchise that's that has so many characters that are so great so wonderful and go in so many different directions they've kind of focused in on this one 
character for 20 years and it's while like spoiler alert this is going to be the last one last wolverine movie with hugh jackman as wolverine i think a lot of people know that although my wife didn't know that and was crying at the end of this movie so really really, yeah man i'm I'm ready for this to be it. I'm ready for a new Wolverine that's a little more in line with the comic books. I I I think that this was a good send off, but I don't think that we're gonna get like. There's no guarantee that we're gonna get a better version of Wolverine. Like, no, that's I true. I think we were blessed with an actor who embodied this character and really loved playing Wolverine. That's true. So I I like despite his height. <laughs> um, I think that we really lucked out in getting somebody that could play this role for 20 years you know, and us still be like, oh, yeah, sure. If they give us one more Wolverine, yeah, I'd like that. I went back after we talked about it uh, a couple episodes ago, after we talked about Logan, and I watched a little bit of the first X-Men movie. And I was trying to pay attention to uh, to his height, and I had said that there was a sequence where um, you were like, "I can't believe Laura's taller than him this entire movie." What? That the little girl X twenty three was taller than him the whole movie. Oh yeah, right. <clears throat> but um, James Marsden. James Marsden what uh, <laughs> was appreciably shorter, like in, I noticed, but. Hugh Jackman's come a long, long way from the way that he was in that movie. Like, <clears throat> he hadn't kind of really figured out the character yet. Almost like Harrison Ford, I don't think, kind of had Han Solo figured out really until The Empire Strikes Back in a lot of ways. Um, the That's kind of the way that I felt about Hugh Jackman. You could even hear a little bit of his accent kind of yeah. poking through. Uh, he just he's just come a long way since then, and it, it's almost difficult to watch, to be honest with you. I want to go back and watch the so first watch couple. He's so old as Logan. Movies. No, no, not old, but like his acting quality is so much better now. Um, oh, you mean it's harder to watch the older? Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and and also, holy shit, that movie has terrible CGI. X-Men? It was terrible. It yeah. was made on a shoestring budget. It was. They were very unconfident that it was going to be something that was successful. Yeah. I mean, Marvel's track record was dog shit. The only hit movie that Marvel had ever was Blade. Blade. Which yes. Blade, black lead, horror-themed, obscure yeah. 70s comic book property. Those are not the things that you put in the stew for a hit movie so that could have just been a one-off accident but it still gave the theater or it still gave fox and marvel the confidence to be like yeah let's let's try it with the best shit that we have let's try to make a comic book movie with every with all the guns blazing that we can at this point they still couldn't get a lot of money to do it. The Statue of Liberty scene I've seen recently in just clips looks like dog shit. It's terrible. And it's like the climactic end. And it's so teeny when, tiny in scale, when you know? The toad gets electrocuted and he gets blown out into the um New York Harbor or whatever that is. Uh 
and, and he makes that splash in the water from far away. Even that little splash looks so bad. It looks, it looks like like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like a cartoon, <laughs> right over top of the water. It's it's unbelievable how shitty it looks. But man, go back I, and and watch it, and you you'll just cringe. I I but remember man, going James to Mars than good. I remember going to the theater being That's so true. hyped yep. for X Men, yep. and me too. We had like a big group of friends, Paul, me, you, and like. I think like seven of our friends it went up. It theater wasn't to check a letdown. Like you know, looking back on it now, like some of that stuff doesn't hold up. But back then, it was like holy fuck. It was just so comic book movies really have arrived. Yeah, it was so cool to see like a legitimate X Men film. Seeing Wolverine and the, right the way they the did, claws came yeah, out. Yeah, they did the real stuff. The way the claws came out. The way everyone's powers worked. You know, Halle Berry, meh, some bad dialogue, but like it was a cool movie. Do you know that very quickly before we say goodnight, apparently there was a bit in um, the the dialogue with uh, Storm when she says her famous, her infamous, you know what happens to a toe when it gets hit by lightning? Mm-hmm. Apparently there had been a theme throughout the movie where uh, the toad kept saying, like, do you know uh, what happens when a toad does this or does that? And it was like this oh, theme. Oh, and it would lead up to that yeah. joke. And and they were all cut except for the the punchline when Halle Berry says it. And then it made no sense except for it being like a terrible fucking line. Oh. She probably thinks about that going to sleep every night. <laughs> right. Probably so it curses wasn't, that editor. Right. Apparently it wasn't as bad as it, it appears at face value. That That's more on the editors, apparently. Yeah. Um. Like you know, and you know what's I'm sorry, but you know what they could have done? Just cut that like that line out. Just mm-hmm. cut it out. Yeah. And have her electrocute him and he goes flying and that that's it. Yeah, and that it didn't need a zinger or anything like that. Um but yeah, I I um in closing with Logan, I really liked Logan. I um Polynomics finale. Um I I would give Logan I give Logan a seven. Um it was a highly entertaining film. I think that it was probably the best character piece that we've had in X in an X-Men movie. Um, I probably put it top three X-Men, but it's not the best X-Men movie. I still think What's X, the- X2. X2 yeah. is a legit. Does X2 hold up? I still have I don't know. I was going to ask that yeah, five we need minutes to, ago. Yeah, we, we need, need to sit down and watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Um, very quickly, the counterpoint to the best character study of all the X-Men movies, it's probably Deadpool, actually. Um, I felt more with, uh, with Logan For, you and know it might be because I've watched 17, 20 years of this <laughs> right. character, but you know, what's um, really sad for me. I like Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and you know, he's had some good ones and some crappy ones, but like, geez, by the end I was just like, okay, whatever. I don't care. I didn't care. I was so non-invested. Yeah. Huh. That's funny. Yep. Like I, I was, I was in man and it was, I feel like it was gut wrenching whenever he's clearly dying and he's like, Oh, so this is what it feels like. There's some dual meaning there. He might mean this is what it feels like to die or this is what it feels like to love, you know, a daughter or something like that. But I thought it was really well handled, really well acted. Hmm. It was um, maybe I need to rewatch. It was it. A, it was a very impactful movie, and um, I I don't know, man. Like I I really liked 
how small it was as well. There wasn't a lot of end of the world. There were no blue beams coming yeah, down from the sky. Like the same reason we love Deadpool because yeah, it's low stakes. Because you can have an emotional story with low stakes. Um, I'd, I'd give it a seven. Almost want to give it an eight. I really liked it. I, um, you know, I I really loved the very end when you know all the kids are around the grave and you know they have the cross at the grave and before Laura walks away, she puts the cross down and for a second I'm a fucking dummy. So I was like, "What's she doing?" Really? It's an axe. As soon as she picked it up, I was like, my eyes out. As soon as she picked it up, I was like, she's going to make an axe. <laughs> yeah, she so, put it down. She made it an axe. And like, I, I, was, I was all emotional. I was like, God damn it. But yeah, it was, it was fucking good, man. It was it was really cool. Was I think it, I could give it. I think it, it was a great send off for Hugh Jackman. Possibly a second viewing, maybe more time. It might get an eight, but I, I really fucking liked it. It was, it was a really good movie. That's going to do it for us tonight. Matt, did you give it a number? Uh, a couple a weeks ago, I gave it a six. Yeah, that's going to do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. <laughs> Ian Sharpley. <laughs> um, I'm Matt Six Casal. <laughs> we'll see you next time.